Hello, book lovers, book collectors, book browsers, and book sniffers. I am Brooke Warner, one half of this show, but I'm on my own today because Grant is attending to some personal business, and I still thought I would take the opportunity to do a show focused on something that is near and dear to my heart, and that is book festivals. Uh, You know, I haven't talked all that much about my role as the current chairperson of the Bay Area Book Festival, but I've been doing this a while. I've been on the board since the inception of the book festival, which is 2015. Um, And book festivals are a really interesting thing to be involved in because there's something that happens once a year usually. And you have this entire team of people who start to gear up for next year's event pretty much right after the previous one is over. And I have loved being involved in the book festival. It's so interesting. It's a window into a totally different angle of the book world. Uh, I've been the chair for the past two years, but that has been during Zoom times. And so this will be the first year that I'm the chair in the public facing space. And I'm super excited to get back out into the world. And so I hope that some of you have had the opportunity to attend some book festivals, even online in the past two years, because they've been widely available. And it was incredible, actually, to witness how quickly all of these festivals pivoted to online. Um, Watching the Bay Area Book Festival in action was like superhuman. (laughs) You know, since the festival is always in the spring, usually May, the decision to pivot that first year was made in March 2020. And it was such a flurry of activity to bring all of that online content. It was Herculean. Um, And, you know, as I said, the Bay Area Book Festival was certainly not the only one who did this. But now, fast forward two years, thank goodness we are going back. And so for those of you who are local, it's happening May 7th and May 8th in downtown Berkeley. And honestly, obviously, perhaps, you know, the real joy and pleasure of book festivals is the in-person part. You know, seeing the authors and the industry professionals talk about books, talking about reading books, sharing their insights. And at the real live festival, you also get to peruse books, talk to authors, buy books. And also one of the very best parts is the kids. (laughs) You know, there's kids programming, there are kids running around all over the place, getting exposed to books, having the opportunity to take books home. And I love that. And I bring my son every single year. So I'm so excited that he also gets to go back. Now, Before we get to today's interview, um, I do want to note some of the bigger and well-known book festivals to give a shout out to all the hard work and effort that goes into these community events. And so just to name a few, because there are many, 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 the Boston Book Festival, the Brooklyn Book Festival, Summer Words in Aspen, the Los Angeles Times Festival of Books, There's Litquake, which is also here in the Bay Area in the fall, takes place in San Francisco. Printer's Row Lit Fest in Chicago, which is a perennial favorite, the Louisiana Book Festival, and the list goes on and on. Uh, And since I've had a behind-the-scenes look at what these festivals are all about, I do feel qualified to say that there is tremendous planning and effort and moving of mountains to make these festivals happen. And the organizers who do this, I mean, it is a labor of love because just like everything else related to books, it is not for the money, I assure you. And so I'm really thrilled to be talking to Sherilyn Parsons today about what drives a founder of a book festival to do such a thing. (laughs) She's going to answer that question. Um, I can say for myself that part of what's meaningful and special about being involved in a book festival is the energy. 
You know, it just is palpable, that energy that gets created around a weekend-long event that's dedicated to authors and books and writers and writing and reading. Uh, and the book is such a central aspect of our cultural heritage. Tied up in books and reading and writing is our cultural legacy, our cultural values. And so it's just the case that book festivals are honoring all the ways that books are important in our lives, how we encourage our kids to read, which is such a deep element of their emotional and intellectual growth, how we honor writing as a meaningful and worthwhile endeavor. And then also, of course, how we admire writers and authors for their craft. And it is exciting to rub elbows with authors and writers or even just to see them from down in the the space where you might be watching a panel, for instance. One of the things I most love about the Bay Area Book Festival is just walking the streets of my city, you know, seeing it transformed and bustling with people, trying to get to the next event that they want to see, the park downtown where booths are set up for local publishers and authors to showcase their work. And in the years past, the festival has been ambitious in some of its efforts, like the year when the staff built what I can only describe as a pagoda of books. It was an actual structure made of books that you could walk inside of. It was so awesome. And all the books had been donated and therefore they were just encouraging people to take free books. Um, and it was like they were taking actual pieces of the wall. It was super fun. Um, so of course it had to be a carefully constructed uh, so that the immovable parts were, you know, not like a Jenga set that the festival goers were coming and taking free books and watching it all crash to the ground. So that didn't happen luckily. It was super successful and one of the more memorable things that the Bay Area Book Festival has done. Uh, and for me, a highlight uh, was in 2019 when I got to interview Tayari Jones on stage as part of Women Lit, which is a program that Sherilyn and I are going to speak to a bit today. Um, so there you go. There's my little walk down memory lane. And I'm eager to get some new memories this year. Super looking forward to that. Um, you know, because no matter how excited all of us are by an author uh, talking on a panel, uh, you know, on Zoom or even just watching them one on one, that energy that I'm talking about is truly felt at in-person events in ways that just can't be replicated online. That buzzing human energy of it all. I'm, I'm just so looking forward to that. So if you can get yourself to a festival this year, do. They're worth traveling to. Um, they really are all over the country. I'm thinking about going to the Las Vegas Book Festival this year in October. You shouldn't have to drive too far to find one, no matter where in the country you live. Uh, and of course, they're streaming. You know, Sherilyn's going to be speaking to the fact that a lot of events are streaming at the Bay Area Book Festival. So if you can make it do, you can find the programming at baybookfest.org. And that is up and ready to look at now. So while you take a moment to hatch a possible plan or to write down those dates in your planner, uh, we're just going to take a little break. We'll be right back and we'll be talking to Sherilyn Parsons about books and festivals and what having a passion for books will sometimes drive us to do.
Welcome back, everybody. Today's guest is Sherilyn Parsons, and I'm super thrilled that she's with us because she's the founder and executive director of the Bay Area Book Festival, which is one of the most prominent literary festivals in the United States, based right here in my hometown, Berkeley, California. And the festival has presented more than 1,250 notable authors, including winners of virtually every major literary award. Uh, and it's been going strong for the past eight years. And Sherilyn also created Women Lit, which is very near and dear to my heart. And we're going to talk about that a bit in the interview today, uh, which is a program that elevates women's voices featuring events uh, of influential female authors. And its purpose is to nurture literary community among women. Previously, Sherilyn helped build the field of nonprofit journalism, most notably at the Center for Investigative Reporting. She's worked as a fundraiser, travel writer, and book reviewer. Sherilyn, I am so happy to have you on the show. It feels overdue. Well, thank you. I've been a listener and uh, just uh, thrilled to be here. So I think I want to start with the question that anyone listening is probably going to want to know, which is the why. (laughs) What would drive someone? What drove you to found a book festival, and in this case, the Bay Area Book Festival? Well, I am, of course, insanely passionate about books and writers, and I had been an attendee um, and then eventually a sort of behind-the-scenes contributor, so to speak, in managing things um, at the L.A. Times Festival of Books. Um, I'm from L.A., and I have been to every single one. I think there's maybe 28, 30, I'm not sure, um, since the beginning. And every Sunday that it was, you know, over, it was a weekend festival, so Saturday and Sunday. And every Sunday afternoon, I would walk around and be so sad (laughs) that it was over because I just loved being in the world of hearing the authors talk about their processes and, uh, you know, getting kind of up and close to the books and, um, just this cornucopia of literary everything, so many different kinds of books. So then I moved up to Berkeley um, in the end of 2009, and I went up to work at the Center for Investigative Reporting, as you mentioned. And, you know, I worked in journalism for a while, and that was wonderful. However, I just wanted to be in the literary world. So I um, did kind of a crazy thing. I quit my job and I decided to start a book festival. There had been festivals like this in the Bay Area um, years ago, like a you know special weekend, largely free or low cost festival, but not for many years. Um, so there was really kind of a shocking um, hole here, given um, the sort of vibrant literary community of the Bay Area and its centrality in the publishing world. So um, I, <laughs> it was quite a process. Um, started just me, completely from scratch. I did not really know the literary behind the scenes world, the publishing industry. So it was quite a learning curve. And initially, all volunteer. Um, I brought in a team of people who knew a lot more than I did. Um, certainly about the publishing world and then about producing an actual giant event like this. I had never produced a giant event, like even a little event I had never produced. So for anybody out there who thinks, you know, oh, wow, this idea, this project is like too big, I am proof that um, it's insanely um, a lot of work, but you can absolutely do it. So that's how it created. <laughs> I love that. Um 
Well, I'm a longtime board member. I'm the current chair of the festival. So I see firsthand and can certainly echo everything that you're saying. I mean, there's fundraising, programming, advertising, securing of venues, food permits, thousands of points of outreach. And, you know, book festivals really are these rock star events, and you're at the center of all of that. Um, So it would be really easy to talk about the fact that it's overwhelming because it is. But I wanted to ask you more about the part that you most love. Like when you disconnect yourself from your to-do list, what's the part that moves you? Yeah, what I love best is constructing the programs. Um, It's highly creative. You need to um, ideally have read all the author's books. But when we have, you know, two to 300 authors at a festival, there's like no way. But some of them I do read um, fully, some partly, and, um, you know, read other things about the books and really learn about what the author is doing. And then to either pair an interviewer or another writer with that person or create a panel where you're looking at... um, sort of the, the 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 key parts, the challenges, the successes, you know, in these different books, the forms, and putting together a conversation that is interesting for the authors, you know, not just the same old like book talks that they do, um, but then also really inspiring and interesting for the audience. So it it involves my sort of literary um, sensibility and then sort of some strategic creating of, of um, a dynamic between these authors. So that is by far the most fun part, super satisfying to, you know, create something uh, so, so meaningful. Well, and I've sat on the programming committee uh, in the past, and it really is like a puzzle coming together. So I thought this might be an interesting time. This is sort of a two-part question, because on the one hand, I think people would love to know what are the considerations that you're thinking about when you're putting on programming in general, and especially in a community like ours in the Bay Area. And and maybe the second part of that question a little bit more targeted is for the writers and authors out there who really want to get into book festivals, you know, like what, what kind of advice or recommendations would you have about being able to sit on a panel or pitch a panel? So festivals are fairly local because they're in person. And in terms of sort of serving a local audience, it um, reflects local interests and so on. So because we're in Berkeley, we've always had kind of a social justice focus. We have a highly diverse um, cadre of authors. You know, we present, um, we prioritize diversity. And we also, though, in the Bay Area, are highly international. I mean, the world is here and we influence the world. So from the beginning, I have brought um, international authors, which is a challenge. I mean, getting the funding to bring them and so on. But it adds that whole layer of of interest, um, authors we would not otherwise see just in a a bookstore environment, um, usually. So it really spans this kind of local to global, and that reflects this particular region. So that's kind of the scope. And then all different genres, except really like business and self-help, just doesn't do as well. And they tend to be not kind of as, quote, literary, although there's certainly been exceptions. So how to get into a festival? I just want to tell people, first off, who submit, try to get in, whether 
through a publicist, um, you know, at your publishing house, an independent publicist, or just you as an author um, submitting a proposal and so on. Just like submitting, you know, to a magazine or whatever, um, there are a lot of considerations that may not reflect or respond to the quality of your work in that if you, you can be the most fabulous writer in the world. And of course, we get a zillion fantastic submissions. But we look at the balance of the overall festival, you know, the scope. For instance, we had one book submitted this time for the coming festival, May 7th and 8th. And it was about um, kind of climbing, mountaineering and so on. But we already have two programs, one with Kim Stanley Robinson about with a book on the Sierras. That's going to be live streamed, by the way. That's on Sunday the 8th, I think, or Saturday the 7th. And, um, and then we had a program already created on women in the wild. So out of, you know, this year, 70 adult programs, we just couldn't do another one on that topic. So there's a lot of considerations in sort of putting, like you said, the the jigsaw puzzle together. I mean, not only scheduling wise, but in terms of topics and angles and so on. So generally, the way people um, sort of come to our notice, a publicist will pitch us. So if you all out there have a publicist, definitely have them submit. Um, You know, I, I attended this course with Rebecca Mackay, who's just incredible. And she was saying to all of us in this seminar, all the writers who were there, you must apply to festivals. Um, And even if your publicist says, oh, we shouldn't do that, we can't do it. She said, get yourself there on your own, because you meet so many other writers. That's kind of a main benefit for the writers. Um, and then, of course, you know, the public and just the, the sheer pleasure of kind of, you know, being uh, in front of audiences. Um, you know, we write in a very solitary way. So to really be in this exciting book loving environment is very fantastic. So most festivals have a submission portal um, open for a certain time. So have the publicist submit and or you yourself can go to the portal um, we have people submit panels that are pre-constructed. We have people just submit themselves, you know, um, and we look at all of it. So um, obviously the quality of the work definitely matters. But again, I want to emphasize that the quality can be phenomenal and it just doesn't fit this year. Um, and just one last thing is that we generally um, look at books published within the last year, since the last festival. Um, that would include paperback publication, if you also had a hardcover. So does that does that answer the question? I know I talked a long time. No, that's, that's perfect. Yeah, I, I, really helpful. Because I, I, of course, I mean, I work with a lot of authors who, you know, sometimes people submit and they feel disappointed. But I think to your point, you're answering a lot of the questions about the why of that. And then also to piggyback on what you said about meeting authors. I mean, certainly you can also do that whether or not you are on a panel or a participant. I think sometimes authors will come and make themselves known in a certain way, you know, like you, you can hang out and meet authors at festivals. There is a lot of opportunity to face to face, even if you're um, not on a panel. So I just wanted to make that point. 
Yes, that's right. And we also have um, what we call an author's pavilion, where there are uh, mostly independent, um, self-published or small press published authors. They can get a, a booth and sell books. We have a, a little library kind of at the end of this long tent, and um, the public can go and look at the books there because it is a little awkward. You know, if you come up to an author sitting at their table, they have their books you want to pick up the book and look at it, but that can be like, oh, the author's standing right there. So we make it in a way to where people can really look at the books and then go and talk with the authors. That's really popular. Yeah, for good reason. It gives you some access. Well, I want to ask you about your own writing because you're a writer and I know firsthand how challenging it is to find time to write when you're running something like a book festival or a company. Um, and, and then there's the added part about being immersed in the literary world and how that impacts your writing practice, like maybe for good and for bad. And so I'm curious, does it make it more motivating or is there ways that it's more challenging, you know, given how much you read and how immersed in the world of books you are? Both. Yeah. <laughs> good, good insight there. Um, yeah, I, oh my gosh, I have learned so much about writing from being involved in this festival because I am looking at thousands of books and then I'm also hearing from the authors um, in the panels and so on, how they write, um, the processes. So, you know, I've applied for some residency programs and this and that. And, you know, you have to list, of course, your education, right? And so, okay, fine. I have, you know, MFA and, you know, blah, blah. But the real education has come from doing this festival, honestly, for, for eight years. So there's that. Um, the other plus, of course, is having a ton of connections at this point. Um, and I just feel phenomenally appreciative of that. I mean, when I go to some of these conferences, I usually know like half or more of the faculty. <laughs> um, but so what I really enjoy in those, I mean, obviously, other than the craft instruction, which everyone always needs, but connecting with the fellow writers to create a community of that. Because I'm usually in connection with the published writers or the literary industry. But to sort of work with people who are where I am is, is really, um, really helpful. The downside is just no time. <laughs> no time. Um, particularly now, which is the final run-up to our festival in early May, it's it's really, really hard. And I've tried to get away in the summers because that is definitely the slowest time. Um, there's often something that happens with the festival that needs to be addressed in the summer. And then, of course, there was the pandemic. But that's when I try to really focus on the writing. And, you know, one other thing that's a little um, a little bit more personal is I am sort of known as, I don't, I don't want to say like a midwife, but my role is promoting other writers. So that's, that's my role. And so people don't really see me or know me um, as a writer. And it's only been the last couple of years that I've actually, quote, come out as a writer myself. So yeah, like always the bridesmaid, never the bride, you know, I mean, I'm trying to also become a bride. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. I think so many people who work in our spaces, you know, it's like when you work in the literary world and the literary industry and you're trying to write, you out, you do, you have to out yourself. And also just that confidence of saying, I'm a writer, you know, it, there's, there's a big 
uh, bridge to that. So I appreciate you sharing that. And, and Sherilyn, one of our mutual loves, of course, is women lit, um, you know, your brainchild that I mentioned in your intro. Can you talk about how women lit came to be and also why it's important still that we continue to center women's literature by honoring it with its own programming in this way? Yes. So early on, even before Women Lit was formally um, created, I really wanted to prioritize female voices because I myself am a feminist and I just think it's important. I mean, it's gotten better, but still, you know, there's the, the history of, you know, women not getting as many literary awards and this and that. So that was important. Then I wanted to begin to bring authors, um, female authors from overseas, and I needed more funding to do that. And there were some women funders that we had that began to chip in specifically for those things. Then Me Too hit, and I thought, huh, okay, let's actually create sort of a membership organization where women contribute um, and then we are able to bring more female authors and focus programs, really invest more in programs featuring these authors. Nevertheless, then, then I was like, oh my gosh, but I want to give these women more in appreciation. So we began to create programs, um, separate events that the public could go to, but the women lit members um, had special access. We had receptions, all that. And the whole thing just like began to explode. And we began to invite women at like all membership levels. Um, a couple of years ago in the pandemic, we had a membership level of $35 and you had free access to a ton of programs. I mean, I know Brooke, you interviewed Ann Patchett. We had Patty Smith. Um, oh my gosh. Emir McBride from Ireland. Um, I can't even remember earlier. We had Gloria Steinem in person. Um, Eve Ensler, I know you also interviewed. Terry Tempest Williams was just, oh my gosh, just a grace, joy to the heart. So there's been a lot that we've done, plus various in-person sort of celebrations, events. We've used gorgeous venues. And so that's how it's gone. Um, and it's still thriving. Um, now the membership level starts at $50 and you get quite a bit for that. Yeah, it's really honestly way more of an event series now and a sort of female community builder than a fundraising thing. So it that doesn't really matter as much. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, and and I love Women Lit and lots of our listeners have heard those programs and I always make sure to say this is a Women Lit event so people can go back and listen to Eve Ensler and Tyari Jones and yeah, there's been a number of them that we brought to the show. Ann Patchett was so amazing. Um, well, in closing, this year's event is upon us. You know, we're getting back into the real world after two years of behind screens. So it's less than a month away uh, on May 7th and 8th in downtown Berkeley. So for anyone who's local and planning to come, and you mentioned your live streaming, so maybe we can integrate that. Um, what are one or two of the things that you're most excited about? You know, personally, I am especially excited about um, Joanna Macy. She is a internationally known and beloved environmental um, leader, sort of systems ecologist, uh, Buddhist practitioner. She weaves in various ideas about the sort of interconnectedness of 
all of us with the earth and and looks also at the systems such as sort of hyper-consumerism, polarization, racism that divide us and damage our beautiful planet. Um, and she is going to be 93 years old at the time of the festival, and she's going to be in person. And I'm just over the moon about that program. So that is... Well, I guess it doesn't really matter when it's going to be. It is going to be live streamed. Um, you can go to the festival website to look at that. You know what? I'm looking at my schedule. I just found it. It's live Saturday, May 7th at 1230, live streamed and in person. But you will be able to watch it anytime afterwards as well. So um, we've got that set up on our website. So that's one that really thrills me. Oh my goodness. Um, I mean, we have the um, essayist and author Aminata Forna coming, super excited about that. Um, oh, Rebecca Solnit, of course, is going to be with us for um, Orwell's Roses. And I love that book. Rebecca narrated the audio. And it's not only about, not even so much about Orwell and disinformation and all that, because Rebecca says, you know, okay, that's that's a little bit old news. Like we all know that, right? But um, Orwell loved roses and was so influenced by nature and beauty. And one of the things that sort of goes through that book is bread and roses, you know, the famous saying. And yes, Orwell focused on, quote, bread, meaning social justice and, you know, equity and truth and all that, but also the importance of roses, which are about beauty and nature and cultivation. Um, and that's as important as the activism. So that one I'm also pretty excited about. So um, I could go on and on, <laughs> but I know we're out of time. That, that's fabulous. And will Rebecca Solnit also be live streamed? Yes, she will be live streamed. Um, yeah, we've got, oh gosh, Kim Stanley Robinson, um, Obi Kaufman, um, the environmental writer will be live streamed. So yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be good. Excellent. And for all of you listening out there, you can find that at baybookfest.org. Again, May 7th and 8th. So coming right up. And Sherilyn, thank you. I know you have so much on your plate right now and good luck with all of it. And I hope that our listeners will check out the Bay Area Book Festival. Thank you, Brooke, for all you do. Brooke has been vital to creating this festival and contributing to it. Um, and this podcast is fantastic. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you. We'll be right back with today's book trend. Today's book trend is email signature sign-offs. I know that sounds a little obscure, and maybe it is because it's sort of a Gen Z thing that we're tapping into today. But uh, one of my staff, who's a younger woman, sent me something that is trending, as she said, with Gen Z on TikTok. And since I am two generations removed from Gen Z and I'm not on TikTok, I thought you all might also appreciate being in the know like I am now because I work with younger people who are trying to keep me cool and who are saving me by providing me with this week's book trend in Grant's absence. 
So the trend is this, it's simple. It's basically about your signature line, right? So when you sign off, you can actually embed that into your signature. And apparently a lot of Gen Zers are putting things into their signature line, which is a little farewell message. And they might be things like, see yas, or hey, hey, bye, or okay then. And so essentially you're just signing off all your emails embedded into your email with something like that. And what the staff person who I worked with wanted to do was turn that into a book sign-off. So I want to give a shout out to Hannah on the BookSparks team here who sent the suggestion. Uh, she put it out to our entire team and everyone was to come up with one. And a few that I loved as sign-offs included daydreaming of fictional worlds, comma, and then sign your name. The other cute one, stay true to your shelf, comma, and then put your name. And finally, I'd rather be reading comma signed your name so hey feel free to steal this trend i love it i'll be back with grant my trusty co-pilot next week and thank you all for tuning in this week see you later